Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday. I am Pastor Wright. And I'm Vicar Hill. And today we are looking at the readings for the 19th Sunday after Pentecost. And if you would like to listen to the readings for the 19th Sunday after Pentecost, you can do so by listening to the reading podcast that was dropped yesterday. We have an interesting gospel lesson. It comes to us from St. Mark, the 10th chapter, and it's verses 2 through 16. And the first part of it is about Jesus being confronted by the Pharisees. And we got to put this in context just a little bit. Uh, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. He is on his way to die on the cross, and he's preparing for this. This is one of those times where uh, it's just one little verse. But verse 1 is really just informational. Yeah. But it does add a bit of context here because it does say that Jesus is now going to Judea. So now we see that his uh, ministry is picking up. Uh, We've kind of been following it the last few weeks as we've been moving through Mark and, and John. But here in Mark 10... His, he's making his ascent into Jerusalem, where he is going to come to the end of his ministry, which, of course, ends ultimately on the cross uh, before his resurrection. And the reason it's an ascent to Jerusalem, Jerusalem's actually on a physical hill, mm-hmm. and you always go up to Jerusalem. And so, he's there on his way, and he's met by his buddies, the Pharisees. The Pharisees have been out to get him pretty much from the get-go, and they finally come up with a plan to trap him. They think they're really tricky. Yes, I, and, I love the question. <laughs> and so here again, in, in this point in Jesus' ministry, they're, they're kind of openly confronting him. Yes. And, um, and I think this makes a lot of sense when you look at verse 2 here, in order to test Jesus. And the topic at hand that their question is based on is about marriage, remarriage, adultery. And if you think back earlier in Mark's gospel, back to to chapter 6, you put this in perspective. This was when John the Baptist in chapter 6 was arrested and ultimately beheaded for talking on this topic of adultery, marriage, remarriage. So whether intentional or not, we can see the connection here between the Pharisees... um, in our in chapter ten, and what took place with John the Baptist a few chapters earlier in the Gospel of Mark. I'd be curious, and this is just kind of a rabbit hole. How much do the Pharisees know and understand of Saint John the Baptist? Because mm. they they didn't get along either. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, the Baptist called them "you brood of vipers." So I'm I'm pretty sure there was no love lost, but right. I'm wondering if they made that connection. And it's almost, I wonder if it's like, oh, it worked the first time when we brought this up. Uh, Maybe they're trying to kind of um, poke 
Herod yeah. to try to respond again. Hey, Herod, remember what you did with John the Baptist? Someone, someone again is, is yeah. talking about this subject. And it's a little different because right. um, Herod was, back in chapter 6, kind of uh, reluctant yes. to put John the Baptist to death. But it's just interesting, nonetheless, that we see the same topic be the basis for their questioning here in chapter 10. Well, and the question is, uh, for Jesus, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And in my mind's eye, I'm trying to figure out how the Pharisees asked the question. You know, hey, Jesus, you're the teacher of the law. You're this new guy. How do you answer this? You know, are they playing coy or is it, you know, we got a question you can't answer, you know. Mm -hmm. So, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, what does Moses command you? And the Pharisees answered, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. And Jesus said, because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has adjoined together, let no man separate. In the LSB uh, wedding rite, it actually says, uh, let no man put asunder. Mm -hmm. And I always like asunder because I like words that nobody else uses. <laughs> but uh, separate is a really great word. And I, I think this is really interesting that Jesus brings answers, first of all, uh, I like to think that Jesus quotes himself. He quotes the Old Testament, which proves that Jesus believes in the Old Testament. The mm -hmm. Old Testament's important. Jesus uses it. But he goes to creation. He doesn't go to any practical things. He doesn't go to, well, in this case or that case. It's, what does Moses say? Mm -hmm. What does God say? And that's kind of the rub here, because what they're really doing is is setting a trap where if Jesus answers no, uh, that is it is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? If he answers no, then he's contradicting Moses, going back to Deuteronomy. The lawgiver. The lawgiver. If he answers yes, then he seems way off touch here, um, and, and they kind of paint him out to be a radical. Right. And so what he does in his answer, he answers with a question, which is great. Yes. <laughs> and, and like you said, he, he kind of puts them on the spot. What did Moses command you? And I like the verb choice here, command you, mm -hmm. because in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 2, if you actually look at what Moses did, uh, the, the Pharisees admit what Moses said in Deuteronomy. Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce. He didn't command. He didn't command it. Um, so there's a there's a difference there. Oh, yeah. and you might say, oh, that's just semantics. But no, there's a difference between what is commanded and what is permitted. And that permission given to the people back then, we see it was a direct result of the hardness of their heart. Right. So we have not only uh, the questioning of God's word versus uh, Moses and maybe the law of men, but we're also seeing what that actually means with this idea of the hardness of heart. Yeah, and, and I, I appreciate that because 
this is something that was allowed, not because it was wanted, desired by God's plan. We see that why was man and woman created? For each other, for creation, the caring of creation. But this union was blessed by God and created by God to be together. Well, sin entered into the world, and sin does what sin does. It destroys, it corrupts, and it breaks. And what does it break? It breaks marriage. It breaks the family. It breaks, well, everything. And going to Moses as um, the one to hold all things together, where did Moses get this from? God. And only Jesus can make the statement, Moses did this because of the hardness of your heart. He allowed this. Mm -hmm. I let him do it. It's not what I want, but I allowed him to allow you. Because why? God created man and woman to be together. Man leaves family, uh, father and mother, to be with wife. A new life is created in marriage. And this is what I like about this text. This text is absolutely about divorce. And the, the struggle, the heartache, um, divorce is messy, but so is life. And life on this side of heaven is even more messy because of sin. And we will struggle with this and we will deal with this until the resurrection or Jesus comes. And that's always the frustration. And even in the preparation of this text, what do we say about divorce? Mm -hmm. um, culturally, it's well accepted. I mean, we have no very, fault divorce. Very, yeah, very prevalent. Um, and so it, it is something, it's kind of the elephant in the room. Right. You can't not uh, bring it up or discuss it, but it's sensitive. And what do we do? And we were kind of talking before recording that um, it, it's interesting that we focus on that today. And that might speak to our cultural moment, if you will. But we kind of both agreed that the Pharisees really don't give a rip about yeah, marriage or divorce in here. Really, their focus is trapping Jesus. Right. And when we look at this text, especially as current Christians dealing with society, dealing with the world, we care about marriage. Mm -hmm. We care about what is gifted to us. And moving on into the text, uh, especially picking up at uh, verse 13, and they were bringing children to him, uh, him being Jesus, that he might touch them. And the disciples uh, rebuked them, but Jesus saw it and was indignant and said to them, let the little children come to me. This is something that I really appreciate that's a part of this, because it seems like an unrelated text. You have the Pharisees, unbeknownst to them, for whatever reason, they chose this question to try to, to trap Jesus. And Jesus goes to the Old Testament, talks about creation, but he talks about marriage. And marriage is the joining of man and woman together for procreation, for family. Now, this isn't the sole reason, and this isn't the only reason. This is the, the product of what marriage does. Mm -hmm. uh, you can go biologically, but it's seen even theologically. This produces children. What do we do with children? Well, we have family and so on and so forth. And the idea that we have parents bringing children to Jesus and the disciples stop them blows my mind. <laughs> and with this, I don't want to throw the disciples uh, too far under the bus. They're being very practical. Jesus is busy. He has things to do. He doesn't have time to deal with children. And Jesus says, this is exactly who I've come to, to come for. I am here so that they will know. But this goes right back to family. 
and it shows the importance of family. And this, he rebuked the disciples. I think this is also a warning to parents now and even then. Do not get in the way of bringing your children to church. Mm-hmm. Do not stop them from hearing God's word. Yes, it's hard. And I will make this confession right now. Now, Vicar, I know um, you don't have children yet, and as God sees fit to bless you, but the whole idea that on Sunday morning you get ready and you leave and you go to church, leaving your wife to deal with the children. And I, I thank and praise God that he has blessed me with with a wonderful and amazing woman who gets four children ready. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm impressed that my pants are on right, and she does this for all the girls, all their, their, their lives. But the whole idea that my wife has taken that responsibility of bringing children to hear God's Word, mm-hmm. um, and I'm blessed by that. My family's blessed by that. And what a great and wondrous gift to do this. And this isn't to make other people feel guilty or anything like that. But we also have this promise, and that we have this statement from Jesus, bring the children which again, I think immediately relates to the trap that the Pharisees were trying to set. He speaks to marriage. Man and woman come together. Why? Because this is the building block of society. This is the building block of the church. It's built on the foundation of Christ, of justification, of forgiveness, and so on and so forth. But what is it to do? It's to teach the faith to who? the next generation, the children that you're bringing to church. And I I love this connection uh, that, that of course, Scripture brings. And and it gets interesting and fun, and it's still hard because we're talking about the the heartache of the divorce and sin and the heartache of rearing children. Mm -hmm. And and this text is usually used for what? Baptism. Baptism. Yes, yes. 13 to 16. So we have this idea of family, children— Baptism, mm-hmm. infant baptism. Yep. And with baptism, I'm just thinking about this in terms of the family unit that you've been discussing here the last few moments. What is the job of the parent, not just to get them ready for church, mm-hmm. but to bring them to church, mm-hmm. to raise them in the faith? Um, so there's this aspect of faith, uh, responsibility as, as part of a family. And ultimately, we have the idea of faith yes. coming out in this. And as it's shown here in verses, uh, in verse 14 specifically, talking about the children, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. And a rational person might look at that and go, a child doesn't deserve anything. They don't earn anything. They're just there. Yeah. What do you mean the kingdom of God is theirs? That's the whole point. The point that whether it's a newborn or a 70-year-old man, Faith, either way, is a gift, Mm -hmm. and that's a gift that only comes from God. It's not of our own doing. Uh, We confess that we cannot, by our own reason or strength, come to know our Lord, and we actually mean that when we confess it, too. And that's why we can use this and point to this as as a reason for infant baptism, because it's just a gift. And that pure gift is coming from God, and we see that with uh, a lot of effects here. Well, and to make that point just a little bit bigger, the whole idea that Jesus goes to the cross even for that newborn, Mm -hmm. even for that two-year-old, three-year-old, whoever, the 70-year-old, 
Jesus dies for all of them. Come to church, be brought to church. And, and I love this because, again, the, the simplicity of these statements. And, and it's real easy to make these statements. It's real easy to say, stay stay married, don't get divorced, bring your kids to church. Those are all easy statements. Those are also very black and white statements. Mm-hmm. We live in the gray area of life too often. With with hardened hearts. Yes. <laughs> That's yes. how we operate in this world with our sinful uh, natures. We all have that inclination to harden our hearts mm-hmm. and, and want to do our own thing. Uh, and I think that kind of comes out in both chunks of this text. Oh, um, yeah. Wanting to do our own thing with with our marriage, um, divorce, as it was used back in those times, uh, but also with baptism, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you talk about age of accountability. Oh, yeah. I want to do this myself. So, mm-hmm. Or I want my kid to, to make its own decision. And, and with that, I, I think this is one of the things, um, especially at the Pharisees are, are pushing. They're looking for an excuse. Mm-hmm. They're looking to show... Jesus not being the the Messiah, not being this good teacher. And in the hardness of our hearts, we're always looking for that excuse not to listen to God. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't like the way the pastor preaches. I don't like the music on Sunday. I don't like that somebody sits in my pew. Whatever excuse that we, we do, it's too hard to get my kids ready for church. Yeah. Those are, are real things. Mm-hmm. God still commands. God still says, do this. And we do it. Um, and and we, I, I always rail against people who say, well, I do my best. So? <laughs> but sometimes that's all we're left with. Mm-hmm. And, and we run with God's grace. And this is why I love the uh, statement that Jesus makes concerning to children. This is childlike faith. This is trust. This is hope. And even that infant can trust. We actually see this when they cry. They expect and trust that they'll be fed, they'll be kept warm, they'll be changed. And these are all the things that we know that they can do. Why wouldn't we believe that they can trust God's promises? Simply and in the means and ability that they can. Because did not Christ die for them too? And then we leave it there. Jesus, God, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, they know the hearts of infants. They know the hearts of all of us. And we always commend them. But we bring them to the place where God promises to act again and again and again. And again, we as a church need to support marriage, support our families, support our parents, support our children. And really, in order to do this, Our imagination is the only thing that gets in the way. How can we not support families? The the, the ways are endless. And we need to step up to do this. And again, it's not to to say that we're not not doing things, but we can always do better. Mm -hmm. We can always find ways. And it's the idea that we're here for every person. Married, family, child, single, old, young. We're here for you. Come in and listen to what is gifted, because the kingdom of God is for you. Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. 
I know that your time is valuable, and of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform? This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.